Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, we're going to go over some mailbag questions. So we do these occasionally. I really enjoy these episodes since they are, you know, they're questions from you. It's things that you want to know about or, you know, things you want to share. Usually questions, but we have a couple um other things to share, but it's useful. And if you want to be featured or you have a question or you have a show idea or something, feedback at doug.show is how you get in touch with me. Those emails come directly to me. So I see them all. I usually reply back kind of right away. My answers are often short. I try to be fairly concise and I don't ramble on for too long, but I try to, you know, answer back. And then when the time's right, I'll, I'll put it on the show. So, you know, I have scheduling things to think about, but often I'll go ahead and answer back. Like whenever I, you know, answer, (laughs) answer the rest of my emails, which to be fair, uh, may or may not be like the day of, it could be a week or several weeks later, there's some of these where I, I saw that it was like a fucking month. I, like I, I saw the email and I was like, ah, I'm not quite sure. Let me think about it. And then time goes by. I'm out of town doing something else. And then boom, I uh, <laughs> I realized I didn't reply back. But but I do get back. So feedback at Doug.show if you want to, uh, you know, shoot me an email with a show idea. And I I don't pitch this enough or I don't mention it enough. I do have an email list. So whether you're watching on YouTube or listening, I have an email list over at nichesiteproject.com. I send all my templates and systems and stuff like that that I use for my sites and that like students that I have, they often use these same templates as well. I make like 90% of it available on the website. So if you sign up for the email list, you can, you know, get those, start using them. Uh, one of the most popular, I think one of the most effective ones is around uh, content and it's, you know, how to hire content writers from Upwork. So there's like a job listing, there's an onboarding document, there's some information about like a content brief that you can provide to a writer so that it's a little bit easier for the writer to meet your expectations and they understand your expectations and it kind of guides them through it. So some of some of those templates and systems are super valuable. So definitely I uh, would love it if you checked it out and you can just go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address. Cool. So let's get into some of the questions today. So this one is from Tim. We'll, we'll call him Tim H. Tim H. Hey, Doug, thanks for the videos on Jasper. It's given me the push to try it out. I have a brand new blog in the blah, blah, blah niche. I won't mention it here. And I'm putting together a bunch of articles about nutrition for the said uh, specific area. So it's mysterious. You won't quite know what I'm talking about. Some of them are really long tail keywords. So I thought I would give Jasper a go for some of these. Here are my thoughts so far. As you say, you definitely need to give Jasper Jasper a good edit after it's done. It's a time saver rather than a done-for-you writing service. I think the tool is much better if you give it a series of specific prompts to deal with. For my niche, it's pretty easy to do this as I have a series of articles that all have a similar format. So it's a case of plugging in the right keywords phrased as questions seem to work pretty well. Finally, in my niche, it seems like fact-checking is going to make a difference as Jasper sometimes spits out information that isn't actually true. Tim says, keep up the good work, and I'm interested to see how you get on with Jasper in the future. So, Tim, 
this is great. I'm glad you decided to check it out. Shoot me an email if you, you know, dig into or if you have dug into it a little bit more. For me, I uh, ended up traveling and taking a decent amount of time off. So I did a lot of work with Jasper uh, literally for about a week. And then a lot of other shit was going on. So I had to record a bunch of podcasts. I was out of town for a while, working on other stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I haven't logged in in like a month or so. Anyway, I'm going to give it another another shot. Uh, I will be writing some new content, although now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if Jasper will be the right tool um, to, to try. Um, there's other tools that I do want to try. Kind of funny, I won't mention the exact company here, but companies reach out. A lot of the AI companies have reached out to me in the past, and I usually, you know, I, I shrugged them off. I didn't really have time. I wasn't interested to you know, use the tools, and this particular company, they they have a very poor communication style. I'll put it that way. So I got the email, and they wanted to work with me. They actually wanted to sponsor a video, and I said, "Well, I'm actually doing these reviews, and I don't want to take money from any of the companies. I want to have at least, you know, as unbiased as possible. I want to." you know, not be in the back pocket of all these companies. I'll be an affiliate, but I'll say, you know, whatever I want. And I think it was pretty clear from the videos that I published. So I, I responded back and I was like, hey, we can work together. Um, I can interview your founder or someone on the marketing team. Like I want to work with the companies, right? I, I'm in, you don't have to pay me. Like we we can work together. And they were, they were very uh, insistent that they wanted to meet um, for 15 minutes so they could tell me what they wanted. And I said, hey, what's the agenda if we meet, right? You never accept a meeting from randos out there. So especially if they're like, hey, let's just hop on for 15 minutes. Like, you know, fuck that. What's on the agenda? What are we trying to talk about here? And usually, right, if they if they know what they're going to talk about, they get just right back in a bullet point list. And that's what I wanted. So I said, hey, can you shoot me bullet points? What's the agenda? And we've gone back and forth for no shit. It has to be like close to two months. And they're like, can, can we please just hop on a call? And I took a look at their calendar. Eventually, I was like, okay, Jesus, like, let's figure something out here. So hopped on their calendar. They're apparently um, in, a, in a different time zone. So all, all the times were in the middle of the night. And I'm like, hey, it's not going to work. So can you just send over the bullet point list? And then he kind of started, he or she started back at the beginning and said, hey, maybe we could do a sponsored video. So anyway, kind of going in circles. And I said, hey, I don't want this sponsored video. We're, we're at a stalemate right now. So I'm not even sure if I'm going to check out the tool if they don't have a person that can like fucking write an email and work with me here. Like, what's what are your bullet points? What do you, if we meet, what do you even want to talk about? So anyway, Another tool that I, I did play with just a little bit, but I haven't spent much time with is Outrank.io. So I did work with the team there for a, a kind of a niche site accelerator where the goal was to publish you know 30 posts in 30 days. So I helped out for a few of those sessions. Um, looks like a super powerful tool, like, like many tools that are really powerful and they can do a lot. As I was watching the founders use the tool, my 
my eyes just rolled back in, in my head. I didn't really understand like what, what to do because there were so many, you know, buttons and fields and things to do. So super powerful tool. And once you know how to use it, then you probably can, you know, work through it a lot faster and it doesn't look like, uh, you know, a space shuttle, uh, cockpit with a bunch of, you know, dials and buttons. Like I just didn't understand what was going on at all, but there's many tools. And, you know, the more I talk to people, um, you know, a lot of folks are using them for certain segments of things that they're working on. So anyway, if you have any, uh, thoughts on AI tools, would love to hear them. And this is something that I keep calling for. If you are successful, if you're making say, you know, $2,000 per month or higher, on a site where you primarily used an AI tool, let me know. I definitely want to talk to you. And I, I've been saying this pretty often and no, no one has sprung up. So I, I don't know if that person is out there or if they're just sort of under the radar. There must be someone, but it remains to be seen. I mean, a lot of people do want to share their success stories. So I, I mean, I would be surprised if they're out there and they don't want to talk about it. Or There's a lot of people in the world. So anyway, let's move on to the next one. This one is from Chris about an age domain. So hope this email finds you well and apologies for uh, disturbing. I'm confused on something and I'm finding conflicting information about the subject. And I'd love your opinion to weigh in on it. I found an age domain on Otis Global, uh, some of our friends over there, and it they recommended um, the domain for something particular. I won't share the niche. I won't share the particulars here, but I'll make a, a pretty solid analogy. So this domain was originally in the UK and it has a lot of backlinks from UK-based sites. Chris wants to target the US and will it be a problem? So the analogy that I have just to make it a little more concrete is there's a old photography domain and the photographer was based in the UK, for example. So in that case, probably most of the links are coming from UK sites. Now, someone wants to buy the this age domain, they want to use it for a photography, um, maybe like gear reviews and how to and stuff like that. And they, they want to use um, this domain, but they're targeting a US market. And will it be a problem? And the thing is, I don't know, I haven't done this, all right? I haven't done this specifically, especially like in the, the recent times. So now that I, I just said that, I, I'm actually remembering back um, one of the first, it was actually an expired domain. This was like 2014, probably. Uh, it was an expired domain, and I believe it was a French website. It was like a French uh, magazine on I can't even remember the topic area, but call it photography. It doesn't even matter. And I was targeting a U.S. market. And this this was one of my like failure stories. So it, was, it kind of fits into that. I actually um, didn't even, it wasn't even in the right niche at all. Um, and it was like the wrong geography as well. And all the links were coming from, you know, French sites. But I just published a, a bunch of other content targeting like photography and it wasn't a photography site in this case and uh this got caught up in like a manual penalty so i never even had enough time to see if it was gonna <laughs> gonna work but here here's my thought around it in in general so i don't know if it'll work 
I I would probably go to maybe like some Facebook groups or something like that just to see, you know, ask the question, see if anyone has like an anecdotal, uh, any data to share, anything like that. So I really don't know if it'll work out. The, the subject matter is exactly what it should be. And that is good. So the, the topic area fits. The source of the links is clearly off. And I, you know, personally, I would most likely wait and find a domain from the US or at least like a North American market, or, you know, if you're targeting another geography, you know, wait, wait for that right one. And the thing is, it, it might work with the wrong geography, um, but it, given the cost of what a, you know, a good premium domain is, you may want to pause and just wait for the, the right one. And the, the other part is you can take a step back. So that's kind of a general, a general, uh, hunch that I have. The, the other thing is you could look at the source of the links and imagine if you would be happy to get those links on say like a fresh domain. So just kind of remove yourself from the situation and look from a bit of a higher level and think, are these actually good links? Like is traffic from the the source website of the links, would that traffic want to follow that link and come over to the new website? Is it that relevant or is it just in the right topic area? So there's some, there's some nuance here for sure. And I, again, I haven't done it. So, you know, if you, if you have the the budget, I mean, this would be a great case study if someone has the time, <clears throat> excuse me, time and the budget, they could, you know, do this. And then, you know, other like podcasters and YouTubers would love to hear the story because there's virtually no, you know, good data on this. Maybe just a couple people anecdotally sharing their story. So Chris, good question. Don't know the answer. Like many good questions, it, it depends. <laughs> and uh, Chris did reply back. Um, like I said, I often reply back pretty quickly. Chris says, thanks, really appreciate it. So I'll, I should check in and see what he did. So up next, we're talking a little algorithm update. So a little while back, this case study that I'm working on with Ariel Phoenix, the um, I think it was around the July timeframe, sometime in the summer, she lost a great deal of traffic. And Beth wrote me and said, hi, Doug, I haven't had a chance to listen to the full podcast yet, but I read through the blog update and I had a similar thing happen. On July 28th, traffic plummeted with page views down 85% and it hasn't recovered. Beth also had a bot attack on the 25th of July, so it showed up as referral traffic. And Beth does say, it doesn't sound like Ariel had that happen to her, but anyway, the 28th of July was a big downturn. Beth further says, I've been hoping that with traffic, hold on, sorry. I've been hoping that with time, traffic would start to come back, but it hasn't so far. I would love to hear if Ariel has been able to recover any traffic. Has she been discussing or posting any updates elsewhere that I could follow along? Anyway, wanted to share that she's not alone and thanks for putting the stories out, out there. I find it helpful to hear what others are experiencing. Awesome, Beth. Um, thank you for writing me. And I actually heard from Ariel. I haven't had a chance to talk to her yet, but she had a recovery at the end of September 
so I can't remember, maybe it was like September 23rd or 25th, she had um, the, the traffic come back. So I actually emailed Beth and uh, checked in just a few days ago. So Beth says, thanks for checking in. The site has recovered on the same day as Ariel's. It's really so odd what Google did. It's still only up to 80% of the previous traffic, but I'm hopeful that it'll continue to grow from here. What a relief. So this is, it's great to get the emails, especially if there's not like a, you know, specific, you know, super specific question is still helpful. And because people do email me, then I can like share information and say, hey, Beth, even though I haven't recorded this yet, um, what's going on with your site? So uh, I know a lot of people did recover in that time frame, And often it was, you know, someone who got hit in the summertime and they've just been limping along and all of a sudden it's coming back, it, which is, is, it is crazy. It, it is very uh, frustrating. I know the feeling and the thing is, you know, it drops by dramatic amount, 85%. And then it just swings back. It, like it would make more sense if it was like a gradual, you know, you know, 10%. But when you, when you go from like X amount of traffic and then it drops by, you know, 85%, it seems like you're making some catastrophic mistake. Like you, you really fucked up, but in reality, you don't do anything. And the, the site just comes back. Everything's fine. It makes zero sense. It's really hard to, uh, you know, work with in a, a general sense. It's hard to stay sane. So Beth, hope, hopefully your site's um, still improving and getting more traffic. And thanks for uh, checking in and letting me know. So Corey Phillip, last question here. So Corey says, what do you think about Surfer SEO? It seems like everybody's touting it, but it's probably because of their affiliate commissions. But it seems like just another smoke and mirrors tool to me. So for people that don't know, Surfer SEO, um, you know, funny enough, I, I've never used it. But Surfer, as far as I know, is like an on-site SEO tool. So it helps you optimize your your content. That is my understanding. There could be additional functionality. And I'm pretty sure there's uh, a integration with Surfer SEO and Jasper AI. So you can have the AI content and then optimize it further with the, uh, you know, on-page SEO ideas from Surfer. And I believe, I'm not 100% sure, Many of these tools are different, so I'm not specifically talking about Surfer, but a lot of them, to my knowledge, use sort of a consensus model where they look at you know what the other highly ranking websites are doing, and then they tell you, hey, for uh, this particular keyword that you're targeting, it's you know X number of words, you have a certain number of H2 headings, you have a certain number of H3 headings, there's this many images, they use, you know, these words X percent of, of the time, and or maybe a certain number. And basically, they give you uh, sort of a prescription of what your content should look like. And, you know, certain word usage. So that can be, you know, helpful. The thing, um, the thing that Corey says uh, further here, the content optimization tool spits out a bunch of headings and keywords, many of which are irrelevant or repeated. I find it easier and more sensible to just skim the top ranking articles. 
Then there are then there is the score, but many of the top ranking sites don't have a high optimization score themselves. Overall, it just encourages regurgitating the same information that's already ranking, not doing any original research. Am I missing something? So Corey, great question and always good to get an email from you. So generally, I tend to agree with Corey. Um, when people are pushing products really hard, or you go, you know, you go check out a review, maybe you Google it and you're not watching videos or listening to podcasts, you Google it and you go to someone's site and they're comparing, you know, multiple tools, or maybe it's just a review on Surfer. The goal of that piece of content is for you to convert to a user of the tool so they get an affiliate commission. So it's really hard to trust the content. You really have to dig kind of deep and take everything with a grain of salt because the incentive of the person that created the content is not the same as what yours is. And there's a strong chance, sorry to say, there's a strong chance they haven't even used the tool. They maybe even hired a writer. So if something is competitive as as an expensive tool like this or like Jasper or whatever, like people are working really hard to rank these uh, blog posts specifically. So they're trying to get backlinks. They maybe are hiring writers to do the content and the writers maybe haven't used the tool and the person that's paying for it, haven't, they haven't used the tool either. So there are exceptions, I'm sure. And if someone does like a video demo, then clearly they've used the tool. But when the incentives just don't line up, it's really hard to, to trust. So it's a balancing act. I mean, I promote some affiliate stuff and I've, you know, I, shit all over uh, many of the AI tools for a while. And then finally, after resisting for many years, finally, my friends were like, you got to check out the tools are so good, man. So I, I'm checking them out, but I'm I'm trying to give a, a really honest impression. And, and I'm also trying, I mean, I'm actively not accepting a lot of money <laughs> to not do these sponsored videos. So I, I do my best, but it is a balancing act and it's really hard because it takes time to create this content, a lot of which is not directly monetized, right? It's not directly monetized at all. So it's it's tough. It's tough to to deal with sometimes. That said, let's let's hear uh, before I answer the question here. Um we got a sponsor, Ezoic, and I'll talk about their tool Leap. It helps your website load faster. It actually eliminates a lot of other tools that you might need for like caching. And um, I I don't want to go too deep. The the technical aspects exactly of what Leap does, I could get a little bit wrong, but basically it helps your site load faster and it eliminates the need for some plugins that optimize speed for WordPress. So these are things like WP Rocket or... I can't think of any others, but there's others out there, maybe like fastest cash or something like that. There's a bunch of them. So a lot of those tools, you don't need them anymore if you use Leap. So cool thing with Ezoic is there's no page view minimum. So you can start your site, start integrating, start using some tools like Leap, some other tools that give you insights into your website. So thanks a lot to Ezoic. Really appreciate the sponsorship. Back to Corey's question. So generally, I do agree. I think, and this is anecdotal, but I think tools like Surfer were perhaps more effective back in the day, but now publishers seem more thorough with their research, at least the, you know, the high quality content out there. 
So I don't think it's necessarily smoke and mirrors, but it's just not needed for either a skilled writer or someone who's skilled with SEO that takes the time to do the research. So, I mean, that could be you doing the research. It could be a writer. I was talking to, I think it was Jamie from increasing.com. I'm pretty sure it was him talking about hiring a a researcher to spend, you know, several hours of research on every single article. So the writer doesn't have to spend much time at all. They, the writer can show up, they have like an article brief, which is probably like a one pager, basically an outline. And then they may get, you know, several pages or, you know, several links that is essentially research. So in that case, like they don't necessarily need a tool like Surfer. And I'll, I mentioned this to Corey, one person I interviewed, um, and actually a f- couple people have told me this, they use Surfer because they, they heard that they should check it out. And the changes didn't impact his rankings at all. It didn't impact anything. So he was doing good research and he knew the topic area, who's pretty much an expert in that topic area. So Surfer was largely unnecessary. So I've done some optimization using similar tools and I found it to not be effective either. And I spent, you know, a lot of time like, okay, I need to use this word more. Now I'm in the green. And it kind of reminds me of like Yoast SEO back in the day where people really worked hard to get the green lights and it really wasn't working for them. Especially if you're going after really long tail keywords, you end up keyword stuffing very often. So I will mention one uh, case that comes off the top of my head. If you have um, a VA or a writing team and they don't have the same SEO skills, maybe they're not doing as much research, right? Maybe that's not part of your SOPs. Then part of Part of your SOPs might be to use a tool like Surfer or Market Muse or you know other similar tools, and then you can help you know an unskilled writer who's not skilled at SEO. They're skilled as a writer, and maybe that will be really helpful for them because they would not have put in you know a quote secondary keyword or uh, FAQ questions as subheadings. Right? Maybe they didn't know to do that. But with a, with a tool that knows about on-page SEO, that could be really helpful. So that concludes our questions for today. Again, you can submit your own questions, feedback at doug.show. And if you're not signed up for the email list, you can go over to Niche Site Project and sign up. I send out anywhere from like one to three emails a week or so. Typically, I let you know, you know what I've published occasionally. I haven't done this in a while, but I, I published one earlier where I uh, I basically I totally lost my train of thought. It's so funny. My wife texted and then the fucking notification popped up. <laughs> She she uh, she's on a plane right now, so she her flight landed safely, is what she said. So, oh geez, I completely forgot what I said. And the thing is, I'm, I'm recording this. I'm not going to go back and edit it. So, I'll have to uh, either listen to it or someone can remind me in the comments what the hell I was talking about at the end here. <sighs> Man, sometimes. All right. Well, that concludes it for uh, today. 
Let's get some music rolling here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So thanks for checking in. And uh, go ahead, you know, if you're not subscribed already to this show on wherever you're consuming it, please do. Be much appreciated. And if you have any questions out there, just shoot me an email. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.